0: Call the police. Tell the sheriff I shot him. Who? Tell him it. he's still on the loose. Is this some kind of joke? I've been trick or treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is.
1: guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Run podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? And we're back again because we're going weekly for the month of September and October as we work into our Halloween month. Uh, We're calling this month the season of Halloween and there's a good reason for that because we're doing Halloween all season long. So it's going to be Halloween season. We're doing Halloween for this season. Makes perfect sense. And it's a very clever name too. Season of Halloween, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. We're playing off of Season of the Witch. It's there's so many different levels to our, our name this year. Although really, I would really. I would say Remake a Ween's a little bit better of a name. Last year's Remake a Ween that Thank works you. a little bit better. Yeah, Thank the, you. the name works better. Usually, but, usually it's my ideas though. But Season okay. of Halloween, it it definitely tells what we're doing this year. Uh, And last week we did the original OG Halloween 1978. Uh, And if you listen back on that show, you will notice that we tend not to talk about um, some of the more critical aspects of the film. Like, even we don't really go into criticisms about it much at all. Um, And that's because there's not really too much that you can say about Halloween. Without really getting into like the, the same things that everyone has said before, we're not going to point out anything that you've never seen before in Halloween or that you've never heard about before. Uh, we realize that we're working on this film for 40 years later, and there's just really not much to pick apart anymore uh, from the film. So instead, on these episodes, and especially when we're doing the more iconic w- films in the series, we're not really going to point out a lot of like we're not going to go through and like review the film as though. You know, people haven't seen it before and like, well, should you check out Halloween? I don't know. You know, only 40 years of horror fans have said yes, so you should do that. So we're not really going to go and do that throughout most of our episodes. Instead, we're going to have fun with the episodes. We're going to pick out some of those fun things in the film uh, that really either make us enjoy the film or as we get into the later shows and and, uh, later films in the series, things that maybe stick out as really bad in the series. I think you can get more critical, and um, we can do a more critical reviews after 3.
0: Yeah. Because with the first 3, the original, iconic, landmark slasher film, Halloween 2, divisive, but it does, you know, has its, you know... Oh, yeah, it has its popularity. fans, and it's, it's, it a, it's as been picked, out, yeah. picked
1: apart almost as much as the re- original Halloween. And anyway. then... Season of the Witch, just because it's the oddball of the group, and... That one's been... You know, there's a lot of um, people who have done, like, In Defense of Season 3. It's uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. That's not even, like, a thing, though, anymore. What, to defend it?
0: Because it's now entered into... Yeah, it's a good... You, you know You shouldn't have to defend it, I don't think, Well, no, we'll talk about that. Yeah. We get it, but I think that's, like, one of those films I like, over... It's been 35 years now, so people... It's, there's no, like, In Defense of. It. It's, like... It's kind of like with, um... I always use this example, but with, like, James Bond films on Her Majesty's Secret Service, there's no more really in defense of it. It's like, yeah, it's a good film. Okay, it's not jo- Sean Connery, but... Yeah. George either, Lays and, fine. and he,
1: in, with Halloween 3, either like it for what it is or you don't. And, and that's it. Either you watch it every Halloween or you skip over it because you only want the Michael Myers bits. So, um, So, what I was getting into is we're not... Like, again, on this episode, we're doing Halloween 2. And we're not going to get into... The nuts and bolts of the review of Halloween 2. There's just no reason for it. We don't see the appeal in going through as though you haven't ever seen Halloween 2 before and saying, you know, well, this scene didn't really meet my criteria of a good film, so we're going to pick that up. No, we're going to have fun with it. We're going to talk about probably titties. We're going to talk about um, car explosions. Uh, We're going to get into... Uh, crazy loony Doctor Loomis in this episode because we are, that is going to be a running theme throughout our uh, our episodes on Halloween. Uh, and overall, we're just going to have fun talk about the things that we really like about Halloween two. Maybe some of the things that we we don't like as much. And uh, maybe at the end of the episode too, we'll get into whether we like Halloween one or Halloween two more. Uh, that's going to be a, that's a tough question, um, but it's one that we'll probably have to answer at some point yeah. in the episode. And you can give a little bit background story too. It's a little you know kind of interesting. What's that? Just
0: about Halloween 2. In general. Like Carpenter's involvement.
1: Oh, well, yeah. I mean, so Halloween 2 was really not something that John Carpenter wanted to pursue. He was uh, more about um, doing the first one and then moving on from that. And it wasn't really, uh, I don't know, it wasn't really like on his radar to do another one. He was obviously moving forward with other projects. He's only done two sequels, right? Yeah, it's not really his gig to do sequels. And the thing with that is, um, like, I think it's always because he's constantly moving in different directions for films. And so when you think about something like Halloween, uh, when you're asked to come up with another storyline for Michael Myers as a character, and we've seen this throughout all of the, the uh, uh, films in the series, that's a really difficult thing to come up with. And you say, like, what... What other motivation can I come up for for Michael in the next films? There's there's a limited span of story that you actually get from this, especially if you move forward with the same characters. Especially after this ending. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Like for Halloween 1, if Carpenter, which by all accounts did, mean for Michael Myers to really just be sort of this thing that flees into the night and you never really see him again... Um, leaving that open to the viewer's perspective as to what that means. Um, there's really no reason for him to move forward with a sequel because that would just dispel the mystery that he sets up at the end of the film. So John Carpenter was really only swayed by money at this point. Um, and that's been kind of a driving force for John Carpenter. (laughs) I would think he's, by all accounts, from what I've seen of him, even like back in, 1981, when he was you know, starting out on his career, um, he was still a crabby old man. I mean, he wouldn't have been old at the time, but he was still crabby. And uh, I think that one of the only things that really motivates him, besides doing something for himself, is the money factor. And that's been a motivating factor all throughout his history. I think probably one of the only reasons why uh, he did come back to the reboot for Halloween 2018 was... I mean, I guess maybe because he thought the idea was a good one, but also for the money, I think really sums it up. And I I think that's probably, you know, that's the driving force behind Halloween too. It was something that he was kind of forced into and the money really motivated him to make this work, Um, which is kind of surprising to me that it did come out as well as it did based on the fact that it wasn't really a passion project for him at this point. It was more so, uh, I think at one point he talks about just like drinking and smoking through to get through (laughs) the, uh, the script for it. And it's interesting that it does come out as well as what we see here because it's really a good, a good film on its own. Um, obviously not directed by John Carpenter at this point. Rick Rosenthal is the one that, um, takes over for Carpenter in this film um and I think part again part of that is just Carpenter's sort of he's not really interested in the film itself anymore um and you could see that throughout because he really kind of distances himself from the Halloween franchise especially since he really meant it to be a um multi-story uh film series that would tell a lot of different Halloween stories um, throughout this, the series or however many films he had planned. I don't know. Um, and you can see that a little bit too in Halloween too, um, which we'll get into before. I, I don't really want to go too far into Halloween too, before we take our break and then get into the specifics of the film. But, uh, you can see a little element of sort of John Carpenter's humor here and, uh, his fascination with Halloween as a holiday, because at one point, uh, when we're going to the hospital right at the beginning of the film, there is a kid that gets out of a car with his mother and he's bleeding from his mouth and you see that uh, – through it's a very like sort of quick shot in the dark and if you're not really paying attention, you might miss it. Um, but he does have a razor blade stuck in his mouth uh, and so he's bleeding from his mouth because he's bitten into a candy bar that had a razor blade in it. So you kind of get that um, – that element of, like, there are other things going on on this Very Halloween. Very nonchalant about it, too. Yeah. Like, it's just
0: like, oh, he's got to go to the emergency room. Not like, oh, my f- God, you know. Yeah, that's like, a, that would be it. Like It's like, what did I, like, in the 80s, but what the hell? I told you not to go to his. He gives I, out shitty. I guess.
1: Maybe they were just not as concerned about that at the time. It was just like, yeah, you bit into a razor blade. Uh, you'll be all right. We'll get you a tetanus shot. Yeah, get you your booster, your yeah, lip sewn up. It'll be fine. good. To, you now know we I mean? have parents who are, like, won't even... Uh, take their kids out trick-or-treating because of the threat of a non-existent uh, myth, myth about uh, razor blades and candy or poisoning candy or... Uh, Who th- has the time to do that? I, right, exactly. Who has the time to sit there and cut open. I mean, I guess that would have to be a really dedicated psychopath to be like just and even to basically in that sense, you're causing some uh, maybe some serious discomfort, but not like it's not even like you're you're going to such great lengths to kill somebody. Do you think a psychopath
0: even would hit? He would be like like halfway like partially like through the first one, like you know what? I'd rather eat that Snickers.
1: I guess. Yeah, I, I would think that nuggety, it's just way too nuggety, much
0: work. Nougity goodness. Trying
1: yeah. to like, I mean, yes. and we, if you think about all the variety packs now, there's like what? How many? There's like 150 pieces in a variety pack. Trying to fit a razor blade into every. I have to go to the little, store
0: and buy. Yeah. And those packs of razor blades, at least like for my safety reason, yeah, you yeah. know, it's
1: like going to get like three. So you have to be like.
0: Oh, we can do a sixty, but you're oh stocking up, you know. I think
1: uh, they'd be put on an FBI watch list <laughs> now if the somebody went in and bought like sixty packages of the uh, Exacto like razor blades uh, with three in a pack. You Yo, definitely there, or be there's concerned. like a limit
0: at the store, yeah. like, you know? Like, yeah,
1: especially during Halloween, like, cough
0: syrup or something like. Hey, we can't take more than five. Why? Oh, well, you might be making that like, crystal meth. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Just to uh, just to dispel that rumor. I mean, there's never really been a proven case of anybody having a tainted candy bar that was given out during halloween um the only times that that ever actually happens is from yourself like your own family member might do that to like pretend like they they uh were given a you know razor-bladed candy bar but that never actually happened so let your kids run around out in halloween town with a plum don't don't uh don't worry about them they will be fine um I, there's no maniacs running around on Halloween night besides me. And I just like to scare people. So mm. uh, I not uh, kids over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, going back to that razor blade thing, you, you might miss it real quick. Uh, but that is a hint towards like, it's almost like um, what trick or treat became later on. And that you have like these uh, interlocking storylines that are happening simultaneously. Except Halloween never really got around to that. To, like, showing the other events that might be taking place. Yeah,
0: they did. They showed it at 6 o'clock. No, not 6 o'clock. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Trick or treat. Now, in this one, it's like 11 o'clock at night and they're still trick or treating.
1: Yeah, it's later. I think we have to assume that the events of uh, Halloween do take place around, like, 8 or 9. Like, probably 9 at the latest. Mm. Um, And then... They're kind – because uh, even if you think about what happens during Halloween hours, um, the people are trick-or-treating out at 3.30. We talked about that in the first uh, fr- the first movie episode where we said, you know, if you're coming in my door at 3.30 for trick-or-treat for Halloween, uh, I'm sending you away. <laughs> you're, you're not getting my candy at that point. It's not even dark out yet.
0: In fact, if you come, come back – Come back. if No, even if you come back, it's like, nope. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'll remember your costume. <laughs> And I'll you, send missed you, your, away. you missed your chance no yeah. you get nothing now yeah. i think i think it's interesting and i do wish that it's like we had or john carpenter had explored after the popularity of halloween sort of waned out um maybe explored some of those other options like what season of the witch became uh where you did have another tale that was taking place on a halloween night that maybe doesn't correspond with michael myers and it would be interesting too because they have, they have a lot of leeway to sort of connect them in some ways because you could see on the outskirts of uh, what's happening in haddonfield there's like a lot of stuff going on not just the you know not just the uh the can the the apple or whatever he bit into that has the razor blade but just in general like there's a lot of police officers out that night they're being sent all over the place it seems like there's just a lot of stuff going on in haddonfield that we don't get to see there's a party like in Halloween, in Halloween two, they the there's a party that's going on, um, and you could see that like some of these threads could have been pulled together to really make a an interesting anthology series that would have had different Halloween elements within that take place in on the same time frame as Halloween one and two. It would have been really cool. Um, alas, we never got that. We got uh, we ended up getting like Halloween Resurrection instead. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting to think like in an alternative timeline or a different dimension, what we would have gotten for Halloween films if they didn't pursue Michael Myers, and they really went the anthology route. I, I, w- I, I wish in some ways that instead of going for like remakes and reboots of Halloween, um, that they would instead try to explore those other elements, but match John Carpenter's style. Because we do have ho- other Halloween movies not within the Halloween series, that try to do you know anthologies and stuff on Halloween night, but none I would say that match the style of John Carpenter. Well, maybe we'll get that after this new one. I hope so. You know, yeah. In the new one, instead of you know taking that direction of going through Halloween one and Halloween two and and just continuing on to Michael Myers, maybe the the new one will actually go the route of an anthology like the original was intended, or you know, with the whole
0: him being. Possessed by the devil cult type thing. That's
1: go straight into a Halloween six idea.
0: Well, not say not only that, but use that as like oh, like once Lori defeats, you know that like, but the, he defeats, she defeats Michael Myers, but not that evil and that evil, you know, moves go, on, moves into on a, something else
1: that yeah. still takes place on Halloween. Yeah. yeah, I think anything would be interesting. I do in some ways, even though I, I hate to say it, I think that michael myers as a concept is very limited in its uh you know how much you can do with it it's very limited and um an anthology would be the right way to go i think all right let's take a break real quick uh to talk about some of the beer that we've got on the show um because we've gotten quite quite far into just halloween mythologizing and we're getting a little off track from Halloween too, so mm-hmm. let's take a take a look at the beer that we've got. Um, I did pick up a new pack this weekend for uh, the opening day of football, and the opening day of football was terrible in our in our esteem because uh, we watched the Buffalo Bills get trampled um, forty-seven to three. It was a really awful game. Um, you know, normally on opening day football, you have fun. I would say we did not have fun. I almost got eaten by a dog. And the beer that I got was pretty lackluster as well. So all, all in all, it wasn't a great, great opening day of football. Um, and you're not even the fan. I just dragged you like... That's like, right. Watch. I'm not even... I mean, I watch football. I'm not like a hardcore like football watcher where I got to have... NFL Network, and I've got to tune in every Sunday. If uh, I no, no, that's why I went to my parents' house. I'm not spending like, right, yeah. money on. Um, you, some, don't watch, on you don't watch. You don't watch other teams that you don't care about. No, I, I know. You, I, you, I mean, you follow it, but you don't. No, I, I can't anymore. I used to be able to. Mm. I
0: the only sport, if I ever really wanted to sit down and just watch other teams play that aren't teams I'm interested in, is baseball. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I definitely prefer to watch the Yankees, but if, if they are not, aren't on, I'd watch, you know, I could watch another ball game. Football, not even, I, I really can't. Not even, like, Sunday night football or Monday night. I just can't really do it anymore. I just want to watch the Bills. I want to, like, get my sadness, you know. Yeah. And I'm not paying that much. Because where we live in upstate New York, we don't, they usually don't play them. They either opt to play the Jets or the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And depending on how well those two teams' seasons are, and how well the Bills' season is, which is usually not that great, um, you know, I don't get to catch too many of their games, so I I, I can just listen to it fine on the radio, mm-hmm. but because Direct TV is so impossibly fucking expensive, like the Sunday ticket package is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm
1: sh- I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't tune in that much, but I like to watch every now and then. It's fun.
0: Well, it's an exercise in. Torture. Yeah.
1: So uh, this weekend, I picked up the Goose Island. Um, I don't know what they're calling it, but it's a new 15-pack of cans that they have out. That includes the uh, Goose Island IPA, which I guess is becoming a staple for them. It has been. I guess, yeah. So It's one of their standard beers. Uh, It includes the Goose Island Redub, which is an amber ale. It has the new Goose Island um, Parka Porter. And it also has um, the Goose Island, um, it's Koi Wolf. Which it doesn't really say what style of beer it is, but they're calling it a, a dark ale. Yeah, dark pale ale. Yeah, and it's a very strange brew, and I did not really enjoy the Koi wolf. But we don't have the Koi wolf on the show today. What we have is the Goose Island Redub Amber Ale, which is I guess they're marketing this as like some sort of weird hipstery beer with a cassette tape on it. That's all the tape has come loose. I don't really understand the packaging too much. Um, But I got to say, I'm not a huge fan of the Amber Ale. Um, It To me, I don't know if this pack is sort of out of date. Although by the the expiration date on the bottom of the can, it doesn't seem to be. Um, The expiration date, I mean the Best Buy date on the can really it is, is July 12th. And you're supposed to have it within 180 days of the best buy date. Well, that's not not that's not be, that's the made. That's the made. Yeah. So it's not even the best buy date. It's the maid date. So I I mean I don't know if this is like so you, oh, you have to think it's their fall variety. I would think so with the with a Parker Porter. And I, a would, coi- and yeah, I would in that yeah. I would think you know, but, but at the same time, like this, it just. Taste All of the beers that I've well, had in this same, pack you know, taste
0: think, kind of flat. I think about it, too, though. They they have an Oktoberfest, so maybe if there was their fall pack could have... They would know. have their Oktoberfest. I don't know. So maybe, maybe this is winter from last year, and it's good, but... Maybe. Maybe and it is. Maybe it is. And maybe that's... possible. And that's, maybe that's, maybe that's maybe
1: it's, why it's not a good beer. I don't know. I mean, they had, but even still, if it's it's only two months, yeah, it's so it is, is too, it's it wouldn't weird. be that it would not be that flat. It's it's hard to say. I don't know. The reason that I bring that up is because all of the beers in this pack taste slightly flat, although the IPA was not. The IPA was not flat. Um, it just doesn't taste. It, it just wasn't that great. <laughs> but the Goose Island Amber Ale is somewhat flat, and I would say not. It just doesn't really have a great flavor profile to it it's supposed to have uh, a subtle citrus hop note and i gotta say that i don't really get a whole lot of citrus hops in it
0: which i don't really want an amber right to begin with. i just
1: think that would be a little weird anyway but the whole thing is just very um lackluster and that's what i've thought of all of the beers in that pack the koi wolf was very strange to me um it didn't taste great at all i i that's probably one of my least favorites in that pack and I would say the Parker porter was probably the best out of the group in that pack because, again, it, even if a porter is sort of flat, they're not considered to be really, I mean, they're not highly carbonated beer. So you're not expecting too much out of a porter in terms of carbonation anyway. It's always weird to drink one out of a can. Yeah, that is true, too. The A porter is weird out of a can. I don't know. Stouts are the same. too. Stouts, yeah, but I mean, at least sometimes the stouts, if they're in a can or if you're getting a Guinness, that's going to be a nitro widget, so a little bit different. But uh, I got to say, the Goose Island redub Amber Ale, not impressed. I'm not impressed with this 15 pack, and now I got to sh- power through 15 of these suckers in order to get rid of them. So.
0: I got to say, I, I concur. Yeah. Um none of them I really care for, and to be honest with you, outside of that one time I had that bourbon barrel stout, um, of theirs, which was really good, I have not had a Goose Island beer that I liked. I've never cared for like their honker honker's ale, I've never cared like for their IPA. It always tastes like skunky. Even like when I've gotten it fresh when I used to work at the Stewart's Convenience Store, it was just, it tasted always kind of off and flat, it's, it's just, to me, they're, I would consider them to be like Magic Hat, they just make very subpar beer, very, you know, like, if you're new to craft beer and you're looking for something new to try, maybe try Goose Island, you know, see. To see basically, you know, what these different styles are about. But other than that, I would say
1: quickly move on. And I, I was just doing some research too, and I can't see any evidence that this Brewer's Pack with the Redub and the Koi Wolf um, are old either. It doesn't seem like they're old, so it, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, they're flat like they would be old, but I just... maybe Maybe the canning process... For Goose Island is not that great. I I don't know. Whatever the case, most of these beers taste on the flatter side, and I don't even think that that's going to improve the overall flavor profile of the of the beers. They're just Goose Island, just not um, something that I appreciate that much, and it's in a similar vein to like Magic Hat. So. Avoid at all costs. One thing I did want to... A
0: lot of like the reviews I'm seeing on on Tapped are... They're recent and they're new, so
1: it is mm-hmm. new. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird how they seem to be quite flat. No, no. Maybe the further you go get away from Chicago, the... The worse they get? Yeah. Um. The other thing I wanted to bring up real quick on the show is that I did see the... I did spy the Magic Cat Night of the Living Dead pack in stores. <laughs> and the thing that really... Just makes me cringe a little bit. Is I mean I don't like Magic Hat to begin with, but the one good beer that they make is the Hex Octoberfest. That is probably like their one good style of beer. And Hex is very good. I recommend it, even though I don't like Magic Hat. The thing is yeah. not included in their Night of Living Dead pack. I haven't seen in six years. I mean, I might sometimes see a six pack of the Hex, but they never, never ever put out the Hex in their Night of the Living Dead pack anymore. Which gotta, is like, ha- gotta have that Granny Smith
0: apple. Complete
1: waste. Or, Why? That, or that Wilhelm scream which is a terrible scotch Why would you put out a Halloween style pack and not put your one Oktoberfest in it? It doesn't make sense to me. It's a missed opportunity. Maybe we should go out to Vermont and ask them. I should. I should go visit them and just be like I don't understand your marketing scheme here. Why not put an Oktoberfest? Well, because they're always like, we are the crazy ones. Have you had our number nine? It's the
0: not quite pale. Ale. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. It's a fucking fruit beer. That's always pissed me off. Like, not quite pale. Just call it the number nine. You know, don't call it your number nine. It's, not quite. It's wacky. Yeah, woo. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I just don't. I've never liked Magic Cat, and I'm. It always pisses me off that they put out a Night Living Dead pack, which it seems like to every year more and more, it stops being about Halloween and more about like Day of the Dead, sort of like Mexican candy skull things. (laughs) So, but even more and more. I I actually
0: haven't, I don't think I've seen a pack of that around here in a while.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I just saw it the other day and, and it's just, I just got mad because I don't even see that much Magic Hat carried around here anymore. I think they're, like, you know, loosed around here. Like, maybe people are not really buying it. I mean, I see a little bit, but yeah, it's not—it's not as big. I don't think around here. I think a lot of people are being a little bit more choosy when it comes to craft beers, and they're not, and especially because Magic Hat tends to be on the higher price side anyway, um, in terms of being. But even
0: still, it's only a hop skipping away from where we are. You know? Yeah,
1: which is surprising. It tends to be pricey. It's of lesser quality, and it's not even that far away. So. Totally not worth it. But I just want to bring that up, that Hex Oktoberfest not included in the new Night of the Living Dead pack. So keep that in mind. Don't go and get it. It always made me mad that they put that goddamn Granny Smith in there. Ugh!
0: Who wants it like a Granny Smith apple? Beer? Yeah. I remember, yeah, there was that one that I had. That's what like wine coolers and shit are for, yeah. There was
1: one that one year that really like literally made me sick to drink it. And I was like, I can't, I can't drink this anymore. I can't drink it. And they do oh, the pumpkin! No, no, it wasn't a pumpkin. It was like a, it was like a apple beer or something like that that they had in there, and it tasted oh, you know, like I'm vomit. Think, oh, and yeah, I I'm I'm just couldn't of, I'm uh... thinking of that woodchuck pumpkin. Oh yeah, that woodchuck <laughs> pumpkin did taste like vomit too. But it th- was it, this was, a, yeah, no, this was a magic hat beer. But I don't know. I don't know. i might start, You know, now it's starting to get a little cool.
0: Starting to feel, you know, little. Hard cider now. Yeah,
1: sometimes I do. It's very rare that I feel like a hard cider, but something. No, I I
0: concur. I don't usually go, but when it's a nice fall day or a nice winter day, I'll you know I'll get a nice woodchuck winter or a nice woodchuck fall because the woodchuck fall is really good. So is Mackenzie's. Yeah, not would... a
1: fan of Angry Orchard. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah. All right, let us move on to Halloween too. Woo! All right. I will start off by saying that um, Halloween 2 is one of my favorites in the in the franchise. Um, but one thing that I I have routinely noticed when going back to watch it again is that the score, I feel, is a lesser version of Halloween. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit when we were watching the movie, but I feel like in this one, John Carpenter felt like he had to add more to the score Maybe so that it's not so simplistic. We're moving into the 80s now. We're in 1981, so got this new tippity feature. Got to gussy my it up. Got to gussy it up a little bit, and uh, I feel like this version of his score does uh, not age well. Yeah, it's not as good. Um, like like you were saying, there is the 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 add a to the stalking sequences, and the tippity is all kinds of out of tune. And it might be intentional, but it also sounds a little weird. And I, pr- I gotta say, I prefer the regular stalker scenes because the simplicity of those uh, were grounded in the tension of building up like a very simple score that was just like kind of like applauding like Dune, Dune, Dune. And now they just like, add yeah, symphony, just, like, just,
0: like just bass in the, the synth line, just yeah. Do. Here, like for the main theme, um, they add like he adds an organ. Little organ, like in the background. And as I told you, like to, for a lot of the soundtrack, it sounds like he, Day of the Dead, it, which I mean, this is before Day of the Dead, but he like, like it's, g- gave it a little Caribbean flavor on, like the synth. Like, There's like
1: a little, um, what you would consider like a, z- z- like a wooden xylophone sort of thing mm. in there. Like, yeah.
0: It's, I mean, it's not bad. I'm not saying I don't like it, but it's, I, th- <laughs> See, it's almost like like why couldn't you go on the John Williams route with like Star Wars? You already have a solid, solid soundtrack, a solid score. All you have to do is use the same stuff, except in certain areas, like change up just slightly. Yeah, and like mate or add like a new like a new th- like stock theme for like this or like a new Loomis theme or like so, you know something like slight, like a very slight. All you have to do is slightly vary it, not like kind of. Which I think he overdoes it is you know with like kind of. Tinkering with all the different scores because for the most part it's all the same stuff—the same stalking theme, same main theme—except he just changes it up by adding different sounds to them, and it doesn't
1: work nearly as well. I think like uh this is the the problem of being able to look back on your your previous work, and then especially for Halloween two, you have the opportunity to change it a little bit. Well, this is where that editing goes awry, and you actually get too far into your own head where you're like well, I've got to add this. And then you say, well, you know what? Actually, now the bass side sounds a little sparse. So I'm going to add some timpani to it. And you're like, oh, wait, actually, you know what? Now the foreground with the, you know, the little um, flourish that you're doing on the synth sounds a little sparse. So now I'm going to add another little synth area to it. And then it kind of keeps building and building where you can see where now that simplicity of the original score has been replaced by uh, a much more, like a heavier... Um, sort of weighty synth score that really does underscore the fact that you've now entered the 80s. Like, this is now 80s territory. Um, but at the same time, all of those additions, I think, detract a little bit from, from the stalking sequences, the suspense. I will give it
0: credit, too, though. Um,
1: when they were editing the soundtrack into the
0: film, they were much tamer on its use. Still so prevalently used and focused on, but one of the things I would say is detra- that as I talked about in the last episode, was a detraction for me. As great as the original soundtrack is, it's in way too many scenes. Like every little scene like where like Lori's taking his shit, right?
1: <laughs> you know it, you
0: know, it's oh it's over overused. Yeah. Um here it's the- it's more balanced, but at the same time, in this, I think, you know, going like three times with Mr. Sandman playing, it's like, alright, you know what, we, we we get it, John. We get it, you know, you stop.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought up the use of the soundtrack, the liberal use of the soundtrack, because um, one one place that I think it really does work that you don't have that soundtrack is in the uh, Bud's Kill, in when you're in the therapy room, mm. because we can actually see in the background, as um, the nurse is kind of toweling off, you can see Bud in the background, but you can't hear anything. And that is a place that Carpenter Abs- decides... Still, still
0: very angry
1: that he didn't have a hard-on. Yeah. He's well, about he's about to get laid, and he just
0: walks out for a second, and Dick's instantly flat. I'm like, come on. The way he was acting, he you know, that thing, after, even after he's done, he'd be walking out. There was like a hard-on, like, ready for round two. <laughs>
1: No refractory time on me. Let's go. The one thing that I think works though is that they didn't use a score there. That you see that, and it all happens in the background, and he's getting strangled, and it's just kind of quiet. Whereas in the first film, if that had been a scene, you would have probably gotten like a very heavy sting there. Um, And so that just shows sort of the way that Carpenter has toned back on doing some of those like uh, music score scenes. And and maybe lightened it up a little bit. Do you think that's his choice or director? That's hard to say. Director and editor's choice. I would I would assume that in in a lot of ways Carpenter probably had final say over uh, what would happen in a scene, especially when he's doing the music for it. If he was doing the music for it, I would think that Rosenthal would probably have just allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do for the score. Um, You know, kind of in in a way, turning it over to the creator, and so. I don't know. I think it might have been his uh, his idea to leave it out in that scene. Could have been, you know, it, it hard to say. I don't know for sure. Could have realized, like, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, used it so much last right. time. Yeah, I think that, you know, maybe – or it could have been a combination, you know. They might have been talking about it and the director was like, I think it would be better if we left off a score like that. Who knows? I don't, I don't really know. But uh, whatever the case, I think it works better for it in some ways that you don't have that score um, really just – pattern around in the background when it's unnecessary. And but even so like I said I I don't not like the score. I think it's still good, but you can definitely in- tell that it's been changed up quite a bit from the original. Uh especially like in the opening scenes where it's the same sort of shots all the time, when but that, a different score on top of it kind of makes it a little feel a little bit different. I think they should at the <laughs> Bless you! Oh my goodness, the allergies are flying around here yeah, today. No. So, yeah, yeah. Finally, late in the
0: season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what they should have done is when they had that, you know, basically recap of the ending of the first, but it's all you know reshot. Kept Most it, of it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kept the original score, and as it's transitioning into Halloween two, then that's when you change the score. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like okay, we're not. We're not in Halloween, you know, Halloween 1 anymore. We're in Halloween 2 because now look how fucking crazy Loomis is right off the bat. You know, like...
1: That is great, though. I mean, I think we do get a good lead-in to the actual credits for Halloween 2 and that you have this newly fired-up Loomis who's who's maybe even a little bit more on edge from the first film because he's now just shot somebody either six or seven times depending on which version of the film you watch, uh, either one or two. Um... And you have that crazy Loomis that's kind of blithering away to a neighbor <laughs> who I like to imagine came out, didn't know what the fuck's happening. No, he He's like, what the hell?" And, and you have this crazy man running around in your in your yard yelling, "I shot him! I shot him!" And you, I I can just imagine being that neighbor. And the neighbor in this, I I mean, whoever they got, unfortunately, is not that great of an actor because he's so like wooden. oblivious and wooden to this fact that there's a crazy. Y- little man running around in the yard in a trench coat. Um, I think I think his transformation and um, and s-
0: sanity changes because he just shot a man six times. Like I just saved the day and killed that monster. Okay, then looks down and he's like oh
1: shit, he's you know he's right like oh like oh like oh, I definitely fuck. yeah. I mean I think in some ways like it does make sense that Loomis in this film is a little bit more manic because. Um, shot a man six times. I, I, like, initially, the the idea is that it's not his fault that Michael has escaped. It's And it really isn't. Like, when we're watching Halloween 1 and he's getting blamed for this shit, and he's like, I didn't let him loose. You know, I warned them." Well, it really wasn't his fault at that time. But now that Loomis has shot the guy six times out a window and Michael Myers has escaped, I think he feels now some blame for that and that you know, oops, I let him go, you know, (laughs) probably shouldn't let him go out of my sight. But, uh, I think in that sense, he does feel a little bit of, uh, of, uh, a guilt for letting him go there. Uh, and so it makes more sense to have him be a little bit more manic. So
0: that makes sense for the ending too, how you just, you know, you know, resigned in his fate. Yeah. You know, so. Exactly. Do you want to do a Loomis
1: rating right now?
0: Let's talk about like, you know, some before we give it like, a okay rate, all, right, all right let's yeah.
1: talk about, I don't know how, if you wanted to rate it first. And no, then go, no, let's go talk about, it we'll, we'll talk about, about how man, manic he is first, but I, well, one of my favorite, like we, we use this at the beginning of the uh, episode is just that he kind of like spouts off these, um, I, what you would consider to maybe be profound, but at the same time, if you're not like knowing what he knows about Michael Myers, you might just think he's sort of a crazy man. Uh, these profound things about uh, death and destruction and evil and uh, but at
0: the same time they're not profound at all. exactly they're just
1: you know you know you know logical circle jerks just running around you know I, I do like how at the beginning it's almost like uh, when he's talking to the neighbor it's almost like a comeback like you don't know what death is.' <laughs> like he, Loomis is saying, you know what? I've experienced death, I know what it is and I've seen people get killed. Have you neighbor? You don't know what it is. But he was saying that kind of like, stuff kind of like that in the first
0: one, but in a more, right. for the most part, more calm tone. But the thing is, how like how does, like, we don't understand from watching these films so far, how is Michael Myers like that? Because he says throughout this film, like, I mean, he's the easiest patient ever. He didn't talk, he didn't move, he just sat there and, you know. So how do you understand, like, what death is? Like, you know, just at, by a day... 798, looking into his eyes, his black eyes, uh, uh, as I'm going into Robert Shaw mode, I uh, discovered that right there is what death looked like, like when I was in Korea back in 52 and my friends died. That's death. That's death that Michael Myers is. Death incarnate.
1: Yeah, you have to wonder how Loomis, for all of his studying of Michael Myers as a person has ever figured out anything about Michael Myers, because... Which is,
0: it just makes it funny, too, from, like, the remix of Rob Zombie, like, kind of, like, at su- like, you know, at some point, Malcolm McDowell's like, what I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. You know, just like, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're uncurable, you know, I'm gonna write a book,
1: you know, half on. You can imagine <laughs> that with this Loomis, too, because you're staring into this kid who just seems to be looking past you he's almost like catatonic at that point and so how does loomis ever get any leave, anywhere with this this patient of his he doesn't seem to understand him at all and i think the only thing that he understands is that he's motivated by like only one thing and that's violence and so he has this i guess epiphany that he's an evil incarnate and there's nothing really left to do besides stop him and lock him up well, for the entirety of his life. Brilliant. Well, you know, my other thing too is the whole like Gaelic,
0: you know, Druid thing with like whatever the hell the word was, Sanhiam, Swain. Why does he know that? Why would Michael know that? Again, like, were they te- like at, while Michael was getting driving lessons to break out of there, were they also teaching like ancient Gaelic to Michael too? Like after your driving lesson. We're going to take you down to the courtyard, and we're going to do some more Gaelic lessons. You know, we're going to learn um, practically a dead language that, you know, most people in Scotland don't speak. You know, doesn't that sound like fun? You want to learn about druids, too, and black magic? You know? Uh, uh,
1: all uh, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, okay, well, let's, you yeah. know.
1: I could tell by the blank expression on your face that you're soaking this all <laughs> in. <laughs> you, you now know Gaelic. Um, yeah, I don't know. The the cultish things, yeah, that kind of comes out of nowhere in this film. That... that... Dude, I think anything. I think it's just because to now like after the first film like okay how do we explain how
0: he's like this unstoppable monster? Well, he's this druid type thing, you
1: know. I mean, sent from sent by Christopher Lee in The Wicker Man. You know, I, I don't think like knowing about Sawin as much is is that out of the scope of realism for it? Because I mean, that's where really where our All Hallows Eve comes from, but. To expect that, like Michael Myers would have this ingrained knowledge of that tradition is kind of weird well, because audience. he's been in—I mean, he's been in an institution for fifteen almost years all of his eight, life since he was eight years old. So, so where would he have ever gotten that information from? Um, that's really the question that you have to kind of pose to yourself when you're watching and and to kind of go with it. Um, and well, that goes to like the whole like if maybe it's, he's possessed by an evil spirit, right? Type thing that was must be, around, you know, that, that would be so. the only thing that you could really attribute to that in terms of like the, I guess, the Gaelic aspect of it, the cultishness of it. I think it's interesting, but it's really, really fleeting in this movie.
0: I think it, it definitely. I think it's definitely a sticking point. Like you, de- I don't think you needed it. One of the great things about the original film is just this idea that he's just this crazy, you know, that he's just this insane person that we don't know his motives. Yeah. We don't know why. He just wants to kill.
1: Let's come back to that first uh, because we're still on uh, Looney Looney Loomis Loomis right now. So we want to stick with that idea a little bit more because I did want to mention a few other things. Um, One of my other favorite moments for Loomis is uh, when... He's actually running after this uh, kid who's wearing what looks to be a Michael Myers mask. Although, it, you can't really tell, especially from a distance from a Loomis. I mean, it's quite far away. All you can really tell is that it looks like a pale-faced mask with blondish hair. And he's wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah, and a jumpsuit. And what? so, he's he jumps to the conclusion that this is Michael Myers, And obviously. he's right,
0: right, right, just, you know... Willy nilly takes that revolver back out when he's ready to, you know, shoot him. The sheriff's, you know, has to be like, "Don't fucking shoot him."
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great moment because it show. I guess it shows how panicked Loomis is. But in that scenario, he also causes the untimely death of a seventeen-year-old boy on Halloween night. Also, probably at fault is the cop that's coming down sixty-five in a suburban thirty-mile-per-hour street. See. All ties back to the first film. Speed kills yes, exactly. He's blasting through that fucking community. Mike my, my, Michael knew.
0: You know all that. All that scene needed was a little bit of James Taylor's "Fire and You Know Fire and Rain" like in "Remember the Titans." You
1: know? <laughs> the best part too is that apparently the uh, the cop car has strapped to the front of its hood a nitroglycerin <laughs> <laughs> a tank, and, and it rams into a van that un un. Uh, Unfortunately, it has another nitroglycerin tank in it, and so they both collide and explode on impact, which is a pretty ridiculous scene. You think I told, I told you Charles Bronson was exactly. around somewhere. The, that's the thing with like the '80s movies too that always gets to me is that people think when you crash a car, there's like a fucking instant explosion from it. Well, if I learn anything from their old Grand Theft Auto games, yeah. you flip
0: a car over, it's
1: gonna explode. You got three seconds to get the hell out of there. <laughs> it's great. This, most of the time, what you would expect is a police car comes running through, uh, hits the kid, and pins him against a van, van crumples a little bit. Nope. And he's, you know. Nope. This kid is instantly incinerated. (laughs) Nothing left of him besides dental records, and even that's hard for the dentist to decipher because the gums are all burnt out. Really, I thought it was because he was wearing that ridiculous shawl and... That you is know. a great sweater. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> no, it's not that it's not great. It's that he's in the middle of dealing with, you know, yeah. he's in the coroner's office, like, you know, sc- scraping his teeth for dental records. And he's like, you know, like all cozied up, like, when I'm
1: done doing this, I'm going to get myself some plantation mint tea and read myself a good book. He was. He was, gonna, he was trying to settle down for that. He had, a, he had a long day of screaming kids in his dental <laughs> chair. And he doesn't want to have to go to the. To well, the coroner's office to investigate a dead little kid that well, he probably took care of. Well, luckily one of them's dead now, so that's... You yeah. Know.
0: My biggest thing is, why is that kid dressed up like Michael Myers when we, he's not like a cultural...
1: I think... If well, you're gonna
0: dress up like Michael Myers, it'd be like, I'm gonna be a child ca- cla- well, killer Well, I think clown. you can
1: tell that the, the mask is supposed to sort of be the Shatner mask. I think. Well, yeah, it, it, but it's like blonde I, and the hairs Right. Blue. I I think that's the... I don't Well, I don't know why he would be wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I guess maybe yeah, that's... Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying. So, like, it doesn't make any... doesn't make any
1: I, sense. I Well, the mask itself would have been around. So, I guess that makes... Like, in some ways, the mask would have been in stores. Because that's how Michael Myers gets it anyway. But the jumpsuit, like, doesn't really ring true with, like, a Shatner-style jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Unless he did a really poor job of putting together a Star Trek costume or something. Um... So yeah, that is a weird. I mean, why does he look so much like Michael Myers? I don't know. Why is that like a, a common costume for Halloween night? I don't know. Um, but then again, why is a guy walking around in a cowboy suit listening to the news on his boombox? This is another question we'll never have answered.
0: Before CNN, this is yeah. how you get you know the news pumped out through you know your local I, suburb. Just walking around. You know,
1: around most and- of the time when people are walking around with their boombox. Like, in, I'm thinking Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. You, They're obnoxious people. You want them to shut off their boombox and they're punks. In this case, in Haddonfield, you don't have punks running around with a boombox. You have helpful people blaring the news, making he's, sure that... He's a town crier, yeah, basically. making sure that you know what's going on yeah. in the community. Mm. And especially, I think it's funny that a lot of people in Haddonfield have no idea that there has been three murders in the community... Like, after it happens, like an hour later, the police have been notified. They're coming through. And a girl living, like, two doors down is like, what? Well, again, what again, happened? Well, again, too, it's like, nobody heard
0: Loomis fire off six rounds. You know, in- or
1: seven. Yeah. <laughs> however many there are. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty funny. I, I guess that the community is just, maybe they just thought it was Halloween pranks. Oh, those damn kids, yeah. you know. Um, all right, what are we? are getting a little off track here again. What are some <laughs> of the other Looney Loomis moments that you uh,
0: hijack in that car from the <laughs>
1: marshal?
0: <laughs> that is
1: great, especially too, because the marshal is a, another a really aloof character who's played by an actor who really just doesn't seem to have much emphasis at all to put on his his acting ability. Like at, at the time, he's like, "What do I got to lose?" Except for my job. <laughs>
0: I think that when he says it like that, that's how it's supposed to be. He's supposed to be like, "What do I got to lose except my job?" Yeah, but
1: again, I we see evidence that this guy's really not that great an actor. Like, uh, I think that line it works though. I mean, no, yeah, that re- line works. No, but, no. But like, re- I'm thinking of the scene where Michael Myers has just been shot again by Loomis in the hospital, and the Marshals walking towards him, mm-hmm. and Loomis is like, "Don't go near him." He's obviously not dead. He's still breathing, and he's like, "Okay." And he just walks back. It's like that was like an extra that Carpenter pulled or Rosenthal pulled off the street and was just like, Here, be a marshal. Um You want your throat slit? I like that I like that scene as well. He is pretty ridiculous. He shoots out a window in the car. Uh so <laughs>
0: You don't really want to do this and make more trouble for <laughs> yourself now, do you? people fire a warning shot eh, to show they're serious right what
1: was <laughs> it out and i put. you just see the car whip around i guess in every other time every the, the other loomis moments are just every time that loomis has a ridiculous outburst which is pretty much all the time in this film he's he's constantly just like yelling things out at people um, even the sheriff gets pissed off at him at one yeah, point. Yeah, leaves. Leaves, and, the yeah. Of, leaves the rest he of leaves the right, Yeah. <laughs> it, it, because in the car, he's like, you know what? I've had about enough. <laughs> and Loomis is like, what? Enough of what? And he's like, I'm Listen listening to your orders. <laughs> it's a pretty, I mean, Loomis. Loomis is also checking his cylinder of his revolver. <laughs> oh, yeah, Like, every yeah. five seconds, like, popping it out, like,
0: one, two, three, four. I feel safe now. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I stopped at the store
1: this morning, and they just gave me the damn gun. Now, nah, what a time to be alive. He he does check that <laughs> damn gun all the time. Even to the dismay of some of the characters in, this, in the movie, they're like, what are put, you doing? Put that gun away. <laughs> just, what are you doing, Loomis? It makes me feel secure. It's pretty great. I do like how Donald Pleasance really goes all in with this one, though. He's not afraid to ham, ham it, it up. up. Yeah. He goes all in. So what would you give the Looney Loomis score for this for this film? Yeah, you know, I would I give it a four last time? Uh, yeah, it was like a very... I think you gave it a four. I think I gave it a five. I'll give it like a seven and a half. Really? I would probably even go higher myself this time. Well, because I don't know that we get much higher than this one. I feel like if I remember correctly, we do, you know... Maybe five. I, I, I'm trying to remember now because I don't... I don't, uh... This might be changed retroactively. Right, right. That's what I'm saying, that you might find later on that you're like, well, you know what? He is a little bit more subdued in the other Because he, he's
0: not... Because even as batshit and for the most part, like, loony he is in this, there are still moments where he's like, you know, when that one doctor shows up and he's like, oh, great, yeah, great, oh, you know, blame me. I had, you know, no... And there's, you know, it, and again he does have a couple more subdued moments when, like, the sheriff's like, damn you, like, he's, like, trying out for oh, Planet yeah. of the Apes. Like, damn you for letting him loose. And he's like, I didn't I didn't do anything. Yeah, that is true. He yeah. does have that.
1: Which he's right. He didn't do it. He showed up to the... He know. didn't actually do the killing. He didn't kill
0: Annie.
1: It wasn't he his let, fault.
0: He And he didn't let Michael loose. He showed up to the asylum. They're wandering around, like, night of the living day. He's like, what the hell's going on? And then yeah. Michael just, you know gets into the car and drives off. It's not his fault. What the hell do you want him to do? It's true. That's know? true. He
1: does have some more. That's why I, mean, why I would give Looney Loomis like an eight in this film. Uh, I would say an eight just because I don't know that we get much more Looney than this one. Oh, he's dead, so. Well, <laughs> spoiler alert for those who haven't seen <laughs> the rest of the movies. It's 40 years now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I don't I don't know that he gets much loonier than that. Um so I'm gonna give it an eight, and maybe retroactively we might change it.
0: No, I agree. Yeah, uh, it, it might it's, be it's after, been a while since yeah. I've seen four, or five. After and six. we
1: watch four, yeah, those those <laughs> other movies in the series that he's in, uh, we might be returning and just saying, you know, saying actually we've got to change our our uh, ratings for make, the others. We're gonna
0: make an addendum, an audit to the ratings. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. All right. So uh, I guess we'll move on from Looney Loomis then. Um. For this film. How do you feel about the hospital setting? Because that is one thing that has always stood out to me about Halloween 2. It's interesting. I like it. It's the worst
0: fucking hospital ever. I definitely they wouldn't should, go they, to... H- they yeah.
1: should have renamed it Hell's Pass, you know. I wouldn't go to Haddonfield Memorial if I was a patient in that city. I'd be going to the next biggest town. I'm like oh, Their hospital. You
0: only got seven people on staff? Two, like three nurses... Two ambulance guys, a
1: doctor, and a security guy? The doctor who was apparently at a Halloween party before this, he come, basically, the doctor once they wheel Laurie in, you can tell that he's come from the party and he's just like, "I need a coffee." <laughs> That'd probably be me too, but apparently this guy's maybe been drinking a little bit and needs to sober up. All with his right, coffee. let's you know, yeah. he's let's, like, all right, let's see this and let's, ha- let's knock you out for a bit and wait for Daddy to sober. <laughs> the other thing that I think is funny too is that when Laurie gets wheeled in, pra- practically everybody in this fucking hospital knows that this is Laurie Strode. They know her and for especially how you make things out to be in Halloween, Hadfield for one sounds like a fairly big place because they even call it like there's the east side, there's the north side, you know, so it's a fairly big town and then also Lori as a teenager, shy teenager is not really that, I don't think she's that well known when when you're seeing her in the first Halloween. She shouldn't be. She's not that popular. She stays home, and you know, she
0: keeps. She's a. She's lawyer. afraid of
1: phone calls. Yeah. That kind of doesn't make for a good party girl. Um, yeah, I don't think she's that popular. So maybe when you, it's,
0: it's probably because they know her
1: goddamn father trying to sell that damn Myers house. Or maybe Lori's in the hospital a lot,
0: <laughs> and they're just like, "Lori, you're back." Oh well, no, because they don't say it like that. Like, oh my god, that's Lori Stroud. Yeah, no, but you it's just know. weird
1: because if I like, if I were to go to a hospital. Like, even our local hospital, Nathan Latour, I doubt that people would know me by name right there if I if I came in. They wouldn't be like, oh, that's Ryan. I can't believe he's in the hospital today. They wouldn't know me. So Haddonfield, it's really strange that everybody knows that this is Star. I just wanted to point that out. How do they know that's her? But uh, other than that, you're right. This this uh, This hospital is not a great place. Uh, it's very understaffed and if I and so like when I used to just like
0: well, that is accurate like most hospitals
1: well, understaffed yes <laughs> um graveyard shift like this one maybe not when I w- watched this film before, um I this was like when I was younger, I never realized that the hospital would not be staffed like that so I was always thinking like in in Halloween too I was like Oh, you know, night shift at a hospital, wow, that must be kind of creepy. It's not like that at all. I mean, it's pretty, like, staffed the same way that it would be in in the daytime. If anything, more accidents happen. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to have probably a little bit more of an ER staff at night um, to make sure that they can cover, like, an overflow or something like that. So I was always under the expectation that, like, oh, every, you know, a is gonna be, like, Halloween 2. And yeah. so it's a movie trope, though. It's not just this. There's a lot it of, mo- true.
0: you know, at night, you know, like... There's no one there. Like, um, in, like, New Nightmare, Halloween 2, the remake, you know... Yeah. a couple other films I could think of. Too, Visiting hours. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's always that hospital that's
0: just like barely dimly, yeah. dimly lit. Like they can, they can barely, you know, run to keep power going. Like, oh well, if we don't, we don't get that insurance money from that patient over there. That light bulb right there going out. You know, you get
1: no light in your room. Yeah, that is the thing. Like I can just see the Yelp reviews for Haddonfield Memorial. It's like dimly lit. They never turn the lights on. <laughs> A nurse yes. with big titties kept disappearing for <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Never a nurse when you need one. Yeah, they, um, the hospital is not very well run. They have EMTs that are wearing mechanics jackets. <laughs> so it looks more like when they arrive on scene, they're <laughs> <Like> basically a... <laughs> coming to tow the car. Like, oh, you're hurt? Oh, yeah, no, we just came for the car. Uh, <laughs> or like, a pit, like pit crew guys. Like, yeah. like, oh, don't worry. You know, We're just here to you know, fuel this thing up with some Sunoco race fuel. That and... had to be a budget thing, right? I mean, I can't, EMTs never, I, that I can think of, have never looked like that. This is c- very clearly a mechanic's jacket that says Jimmy on it, like a mechanic would wear <laughs> like a pad, for a yeah, name a patch. tag patch. Yeah. And then on the back, they've sewed a patch on that looks like, like Curse of Haddonfield yeah, Memorial, yeah. like like a biker's jacket. I don't <laughs> understand the EMT outfits for this this movie, I, that had to have been just like a budget thing, or like, what do we? What do EMTs wear? And like, I don't know. Okay, well, we him a mechanics Well, we see
0: an EMT at the ending. They don't look like that. Yeah, it's when they're wheeling, you
1: know. Putting maybe more, Jimmy doesn't even work for the hospital. He just like made his own jacket. <laughs> and eventually, oh, volunteer like vol- Maybe they're a volunteer. Corps. I I don't know. It I I don't understand the jacket thing. That's that is funny that it they just look like mechanics when they roll up on a scene. Um. So, yeah, I wouldn't trust Haddonfield Memorial. And like I, like you were saying, there's no doctor that on staff at all. It's There's a head nurse that takes care of Lori, but the doctor rarely check doesn't check in with Lori after she's, she's actually in the hospital. She's the only one the that's competent at her job, too. And we rarely yeah.
0: see her. She's the one that's, like, checking in and, like, all right, let's, you know, make sure you guys aren't being assholes. Yeah,
1: there's no other, like, the doctor doesn't come in at all. Just sitting, smoking his pipe in his office. Like, ugh. Yeah, you gotta get over this goddamn hangover. I think that's why they give Laurie a sedative. They're like, just put her to sleep for mm-hmm. now. And we'll deal with her in the morning <laughs> when people actually show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But no, I like, I do like the setting. I think it's interesting. It's um,
1: definitely, you know, um, like a nice small space to work in. Yeah, confined. Mm. It changes things up quite a bit from having like a house in the first film. You, you want a And they were set. jumping
0: from house to house, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I like it. I think it's just, you know, kind of like in, when you think about it, it's like, oh, come on, it's just, you know. And I that. I think compared to Laurie's friends in the f- first film, these people, for the most part, aren't likable at all. They And this, I mean, they're not, Laurie's friends in the first film aren't really likable, totally. Um, they're totally just kind of annoying, but they're not like, yeah, I want to see them die. Here for the most part, everyone except
1: um the head nurse. They're all like kind of like scumbags. Yeah. I think uh you have a lot higher body count too. 7. Yeah. So there's there's more there's well there's less time to do the characterization that you had from the first film. So there's more time to make characters that you don't really like that much in order to see them die. Like one I'm thinking of that would never have happened in the first Halloween is the security guard. There's never really a moment where you just meet like a person for a second and then And they're, then they're immediately yeah. murdered. It doesn't it just doesn't really happen except for I guess maybe the only the opening kill in um Halloween and even that is is predicated on just a backstory and less about like just a kill for the sake of a kill. In Halloween two, you do get quite a bit of that. I mean, you have the security guard. That's that's a very very long scene in in terms of like the actual stalking mm-hmm. suspense sequence of the security guard going through the entirety of a building before you know also running into not one but two different scares along the way: a cat in a dumpster, and then a pile of shit that falls out of the locker or whatever he opens um before he gets actually he's actually murdered. So, there's a lot of set piece to this that doesn't really happen in Halloween 1.
0: It's just funny that they spend so much time with that one kill.
1: Yeah. We're like a lot like something like Jimmy, Jimmy's killed off screen. Yeah. He just
0: stumbles back in the car and like up oh, he's somehow dead. We yeah, really- we
1: actually don't really I forgot about that. We don't really see what happens to Jimmy because he's I mean, he slips and falls. We know that. He slips on a pool of blood and falls into the blood but you don't really get to see exactly what happens to Jimmy because he just kind of passes out in the car maybe he's not dead maybe he never dies you know it's not really definitively shown in the film he probably just passes out don't know but the head, head nurse we, is off screen too we just cut, she just find her
0: body's been bloated to hell from her blood yeah, drained.
1: she's she's been drained of yeah. all her blood, which is a pretty intense uh, death if you think about it. She had to just—I mean, I must be there. Michael had to have knocked her out or something first, and then he set up an IV drip to just slowly Again. drain her blood. Where is he learning these things? You know? <laughs> yeah. Now he's now he's taking he went to med school too, lebomie you know? classes like, yeah. too. I don't understand that one because that is a for for the sort of um MO that Michael has draining someone of their blood slowly over time is not one of them that's a that's one of the kills that in this film that doesn't really ring true to be a Michael kill because he doesn't even get to like bask in the glory of that kill that's something that happens that he doesn't get to see he's not watching the blood drip for hours um so that one is is one of the more is the weirder kill in this film that doesn't really seem to ring true of 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 a Michael kill because that's not really what you would get from a Michael kill for whatever for whatever that may mean um I don't know so that one is one of those kills that has always kind of stuck out to me but other than that in the film you do get most of the kills are you know stabbings um the one that is, is kind of cool is the nurse kill where he lifts her up into the air, stabs her in the back, and lifts her, lifts her up in the air. That's a pretty cool uh, move to well, show. A little too how-
0: Jason y for me. Yeah,
1: it is Jason y, and it's like, I guess maybe it's supposed to show the almost supernatural qualities maybe, of a Michael. Maybe after every kill, he's more and more like supernatural strength. Maybe. Um, it seems like it because, well, you know what though? He does do it in the first film a little bit. I mean, he does lift um, the guy up and stab him into the wall. That's more believable than with a
0: tiny little knife and then hoist, uh, holding...
1: You uh, yeah, know, you're, you're right, actually. You're right, because the leverage has to be on yeah. stabbing the knife in and then the knife holding in the body yeah, without in order it, for him yeah, to... Yeah, without
0: it falling out. Hmm. Yeah, no. I like the whole bathtub scene, not just because of boobies, but um, both those kills I really like. One, because I like the one, how he kills um, Asshole McGee. Bud. Yeah, Bud. Every man named Bud. Dessert, you know. Bud. Yeah. Listen to old Bud. Yeah. Um, I do like the fact that that's silhouetted, and you get to see that in the background, and... um, I guess you could say, kind of how we said in the first film, how him sitting with the ghost sheet on, mm-hmm. and that kind of humor, like, oh, that's not really um, a Michael Myers type thing. It's kind of out of place. He does the same thing here, kind of. Not he doesn't have a sheet on his head, but he comes up behind her and puts his hand on her, and does it for like a long time, like so she thinks that it's Bud, until she turns around and realizes it's not, and then he drowns her ass and. Hot as hell water. Yeah,
1: scalding. Yeah. The, the, the gauge actually helpfully tells us it's scalding. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually... I,
0: I, I really like that, just because how like it's uh, weird vi-
1: how- vitriolic it is. Like, how he's, you know, dunking her in there and, you know, pulling back and... I think he pulls back because he wants to see how it's coming. Yeah. And you're like, oh, almost done? Then nope, not <laughs> yet. Yeah. A little bit more I do
0: like, it. too, how, like, as because he, he breaks the gauge off on that when Bud and her are in the tub getting ready to you know, do the nasty, she's like, oh, it's getting hot, and he's like, oh, no, no, it's like, yeah, you, I, you can tell you right now, if that, because the water's already like 110 degrees, you would feel that, like, yeah, that's, you know, that's hot, that's hot, that's not comfortable at
1: all. The tub is, like, metal, yeah. too. So you would think, as a metal tub, you wouldn't even be able to, like, lean against that metal tub without you, getting burnt, like, you know, like, Oof. You're basically in a big pot of stew now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, becoming stew. Um, yeah one thing I thought I think is interesting that really does match up with the sort of sexualized slasherness um that the, some of these films were going for maybe even um, unintentionally was the fact that in those two scenes the one with um, the the sheet in the first film and then this one with the touching um is' almost like that's like sort of the pursuit that Michael has it's it's a weird scene too because in this one with the the touching on the back before he actually uh, drowns the nurse. um, He, it's almost like he's doing a performance piece because he recognizes that Bud would come back to her, maybe be mad at her because they didn't actually have sex at that point. And that was the whole intention of going to the therapy room and she's going back to work. So it's like a performance piece. It's almost like Michael, like pretending to be a human. He's like, well, this is how someone would act if they actually had human emotion and capability. Um, What does that mean in terms of like psychological breakdown of the film? I don't really know. There's not – I don't know that there really is one. I think it's more of just – it was more just Carpenter being like, oh, that would look cool. You know what I mean? That That would
0: would, be like – look suspenseful. Yeah, that would be
1: a suspenseful thing. It's almost like the – you know, when we talk about Romero with like Dawn of the Dead and that we – I have always assumed that Dawn of the Dead was not intended to be political – in any sense, that it was the the subtext was not that that people return to the malls that they know because of, you know, consumerism. Uh, consumerism. But it was just that zombies would be cool in a mall, and I think that's in some of the way some ways like the sexuality that occurs within slasher films is more just like that's titillating to the eye <laughs> when when someone watches it, and so we're going to do that, and maybe it's not. Directly related to sex and violence. There's no, there's no direct correlation there. Um, with that said, the titties in this film are nice. I've always thought that uh, um, that nurse that is <laughs> murdered in that uh, Pamela Susan Shoop. I've always thought she has some nice boobies, and it was nice that they showed them off in this film. <laughs> and it is the only um, the only boobies that we get in this film. Yeah. Well all you needed. Carpenter's not really huge on um nudity. showing a lot of nudity. But you do get some. One of the things that you talked you got about it butt Bud's ass as well. That's true, we did. One of the things that um you talked about in while we were watching this movie and it comes out quite a bit in the film, um everybody when they're it, during Halloween two, they're watching Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it's on TVs, um, and this must be after the showing of The Thing from Another World from the from the first film. Um, so everybody's watching Nine of the Living Dead, and... In color. Was it in color? It looked like it was in color. Huh. Which I didn't
0: I, really notice. Which I don't think the color version came out for... I thought the 90s. Yeah, I don't I'm know. I thought I wanted the remake. I thought... I, Could've swore like that they didn't colorize it until then. But hmm. well, I don't know. But to me I mean I have bad eyesight to begin with, but to me it looked like
1: I don't I didn't notice, but I don't think it was in color. I don't know though. I think it was like a green screen because of like the T V was like sort of greenish. Well, maybe. But uh, I don't know if that was in color. It's a glitch in the matrix. But they're all watching Night of the Living Dead, and you pointed out too that Lori tends to look a lot like Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. I think that's an apt um, sighting in this film, because in a lot of ways, Laurie is like... Comatose. Yeah, Barbara in, useless. in this film. She doesn't do anything in this. She's totally useless. She's that. she's definitely... She's lo- just there as bait. Yeah, she's definitely a lot less active in this film, and it's more about Loomis at this point than Laurie actually doing anything in this movie and she does in a lot of ways resemble barbara they even changed like you said they changed her hair style a little bit to have that heavier part in the middle in the middle her makeup too
0: makes her look like you know she looks but to me at least to me she looks spot on like you know she's supposed to kind of be like barbara
1: yeah i don't think that's i think that was probably intentional um what you know and it's just like sort of an homage to Night of Living Dead, especially with it showing in the background as well. Um, so it's an interesting thing to to pick out from the film and, and to, to notice as it goes along. You know, if Carpenter planned his career accordingly, he should have had a Village of the Damned in, in this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that would have been great. Well, to be fair, he never planned to do Village <laughs> of the Damned. That was never on his radar at all, and he was pretty much forced into that one. But it would, you know, go
0: back to the, th- you know, the thing. So, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. well, he never did make uh, remake Night of the Living Dead either.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. So it would, you know, if
1: instead of Night of the Living Dead, have Village of the Damned, Mm-hmm. it would have been great. Um, what else you got? What else you want to talk about for Halloween? Two. Uh, blah, blah, blah,
0: blah, 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 blah.
1: Did we cover everything? Interesting that uh, you wanted to talk about. I guess. Um, I think we covered quite a bit of some of the funnier aspects of the film. Um, some of the, oh, some um, of the problems
0: that the whole town showing up to the Myers house basically to sit there and hold a little riot, and while the cops are like, "Come on, stop! Don't, you
1: know? Please stop!" And yeah, I don't really understand that. I probably wouldn't.
0: You think he's going to go back hiding? They're like, you know, like yeah. all, they're really,
1: yeah, all they're really doing is trashing the house so that uh, Lori's dad, dad can't sell it. He's going
0: show, like, to show up next time I'm like, what the hell? What am I supposed to do with this, you know?
1: The other thing that I have to say is that Haddonfield's citizens really do tend to get into Halloween. Because literally everybody has a jack-o'-lantern in their window.
0: Oh, they wanted to make up for last month, last uh, movie. Yeah,
1: every every place that you see has a jack o' lantern in the window, and that has inspired me to do my own jack o' lantern in the window. But I have to commend the residents of Haddonfield because I know that not everybody in our town is going to put a jack o' lantern in their window. You so should, you should go to their <coughs> doors and tell them like about the positive benefits
0: they'll gain from putting a
1: yeah a nice pumpkin in the window. They won't get a visit from Sam. trick-or-treat
0: um no you know actually i had a little second to think no there's some things to uh, mention still so what do you think about the whole laurie being michael's sister bit um how do you feel about that Do, do you think it adds a nice little layer to
1: the story or do you think it's contrived and cliche well the whole thing is just like the flashback sequences um, they're not really necessary, and they actually do take you out of the film a little bit. If they're missing the unicorn, yeah. <laughs> but the flashbacks themselves, like, they do take you out of the suspense of the moment a little bit, especially
0: because there's only like four. There's only like in there for like thirty seconds. So yeah, that's it's like kind of like what the hell is the point? It's
1: very quick, and I don't know. I don't think it's necessary. I think that like a lot of people get stuck on the fact that Michael and uh, Laurie are siblings, but at the same time. It's not necessary to the plot whatsoever. You could just have this object of obsession from Halloween 1 that Michael Myers got out of the asylum. He came back to his hometown. He noticed this woman that for whatever reason he got got a strange obsession with. And then he continued to pursue her throughout the night. And since the events of Halloween 1 and 2 take place on the same night... It makes sense that he would continue to try to kill her throughout
0: Halloween 2. Well, do you, I don't I would say I don't think he's so much obsessed with her. I think it's cuz he's killing aimlessly to begin with. So, I think the
1: obsession is from the fact that she's still alive. Yeah, that he like messed up. That he yeah, you know, this, he, was this is one person that got loo- away.
0: This is a loose end. You know, I think I think that works fine in of itself. I think adding on the whole Oh, uh, you know, he was the sister again, okay, okay, so where the hell was that part when the parents showed up and the first one like, Michael, what did you do? <laughs> now where's your sister Lori? You know. Wh- where the hell was that? You know, you think the parents were like, Where the fuck's
1: the baby? you know. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's necessary. I mean it it adds a different layer to the film, but I think that if he had completely cut that you would be missing nothing whatsoever. I don't like I said, I don't think it adds anything to the I wonder as, if there as, is as, a version of Halloween two that someone's made where they just cut out all of the references to Lori being his sister and just go from there and how that would be. It would literally only cut out like a minute of film.
0: Yeah. If you And
1: you, you, you would have no issues with that. I think it I don't think it would make a difference whatsoever.
0: I I think it's I think it's literally just there to be like kind of like here's his motive like uh, that's his motivation
1: i can i almost guarantee that in some ways people were critical of the first film saying that it just seemed ridiculous that you had this murderer with no motivation whatsoever and so carpenter was forced to try to figure out a connection between Laurie and michael that would make it um or that would kind of gloss over the lack of motivation from the first film. Well, is did they say the same thing about Black Christmas? Cuz you could argue that Oh yeah, that,
0: absolutely. That the murderer, you yep. know, in Black Christmas,
1: there his he has no motivation as well. There is a very similar uh critical reception to that and that people and even like watching it with other people like my parents were very upset that you don't get any sort of resolution as to why Billy does that, does what he does in Black Christmas, that there's no real explanation for it. I I think
0: that... Just get a rotting body still sitting in the, the, the upstairs. I
1: think that, ups, <laughs> like, literally upsets people. It's an upsetting thing that you have this murderer that has no motivation because that's a little bit more mysterious to people. They, like, when we think about murderers and something that calms us a little bit is that generally they're not just murders for murder's sake, you know that person. There's a reason behind it. Um, There's like jealousy or greed or something that motivates it. Um, When you have somebody that simply murders a random person for no reason, that's a lot scarier to people. And I think there's that lash out even when you're supposed to be scared in Halloween that you want that motivation for that character. Um, And not having one is a little bit scarier than actually having one that something like it's his sister, and I would say that even when you get that motivation about Lori being his sister, it still doesn't really make any sense. Because why didn't he kill her in the beginning? Why did he walk, you know, stumble out or, after killing his
0: older sister? Or why
1: does he need to murder any of his siblings? Like, what's the inter- internal motivation to murder your siblings whatsoever? I mean, there's not really a significant explanation gained from just saying he wants to get kill his sister. It's still the same, you're still in the same situation where you don't really have a solid motivation, like it's not jealousy, it's not greed, it's just some ingrained necessity to kill your sibling, it still doesn't make much of a difference. I think you could eliminate it and you would be just fine. And I think that's why Halloween 2018 does eliminate it, even though Halloween 2 really doesn't need to be stripped from the canon uh, to eliminate the brother-sister condition. Why not just
0: keep Halloween 2 intact but just like get rid of that part?
1: I don't think, I think that would just be a little bit weirder to say, like, well, Halloween 2 happened, but the brother-sister thing.
0: But no, because because movies and TV and all that, they ignore certain points in continuity. All you gotta do is, you know, retcon it. Like they're doing, you know, in this one, like we saw in the first trailer. Oh, I heard, you know, they were brothers, you know, she was sister of Michael Myers. Like, oh, that was just a rumor. Right. Right there. So you can still have Halloween 2 happen. And then just see. There's your retcon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could do that. You could, or, or if you're in this, you could just say, uh, you know, Halloween two happened, but uh, the Lori and Michael was mistaken. <laughs> He's not actually, you know, Lori's brother or something like that. I don't know, but I can see why they would get rid of it because it's just not necessary to the to the overall plot. You just have the lack of motivation be the scarier drive than anything else. I mm-hmm. well,
0: agree. Anyway what else um I will say one uh, the whole idea of this film taking place excuse me right after the first film that's great it is a great' that's, that's a great idea and I almost wish um <laughs> at times I almost wish like this film was like a little like probably done by carpenter too to give it more like to actually feel like a carpenter film and he could kind of go with it and you know kind of stay closer to the original Halloween instead of branching off into regular slasher territory. Though it's good for regular slasher territory, but to kind of keep that same, like, fluidity. Because this does feel like a different film. Like, you can totally tell this is not the same Halloween... From the first film. Just like when you watch Friday the
1: thirteenth, the second one is not the same as the first one. The interesting thing about Halloween 2 though that I would say being directed by Rosenthal instead of Carpenter is that it's a little bit more accessible than Halloween One. It's more um Mainstream. Yeah, it's mainstream. It's it's a better paced film than Halloween One. So it's faster. It's more of a it, it really adheres to the slasher formula that would come out. Um, of being more fast-paced, there's a kill every few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, is, there's no 54-minute wait in this right, one. exactly. And I think it's maybe just a little bit more accessible so those people who said, you know what, Halloween is boring. Ha- the, nothing happened in Halloween. It was boring. Uh, you had Halloween 2 come out where it was like, okay, well, here's a much more like evenly paced things you can expect from this movie. Um, you know, there's that shock every few minutes. So... Uh, I can see where they, why they would want both. You would want one that's maybe a little bit slower paced, and maybe for Halloween two, you have to up the ante a little bit. It can't be as slower paced as the first one; it just wouldn't work as well. So. I'm not saying it had to be slower paced, but I mean, just I think,
0: just so like it wouldn't have like the normal slasher action horror fodder but again, like car exploding for the sake of a car exploding. <laughs> yeah, right, know, right. You know, and just stupid shit like that. It's like. Really like nitpicky to point out, but I, again, because I I think the idea of it be, taking place right after the first film is so ingenious. Like, God, that's you know, because like the film ends like at nine o'clock. At, the first one ends like nine o'clock at night. So what what can you do for a sequel? Well, hell, just have it pick. You know, you had him run off into the night. Have it pick up right off there. It's great. That's one of the
1: greatest ideas in all of cinema. I'm definitely glad that they didn't go with like a one year later route or something oh. like that. Because at that point, <clears throat> you're gonna lose a lot of the. Suspense that's just organically drawn from knowing, like, the events of the first film flow into the second. And it's still the same night. And that's, yeah. a, that's a really shitty yeah. Halloween night for Laurie Strode. And Hanfield. And Hanfield, and the sheriff, and, and Lo- Dr. <laughs> Loomis. Everybody's having a bad <laughs> night. Except for Michael, I guess. Um, guess last, what do you think of the ending? Um, the ending? And it, all of its Terminator-esque, like, glory. The ending, I think, does make sense in terms of trying to figure out how do you, how do you conclude this thing if you're not going to have Michael return again um, and you've already shot him like six times. So I think part of the ending there when you, when you have that lead up and Dr. Loomis actually shoots him again like four times is just one of those things where it was kind of a reference to that first film where it's like, well, that's not going to work. You know, already right there, they're, they're just defining, like, shooting him, not going to do anything. But it's funny, though, because Lori shoots him in the eyes, and he's blinded by it. Well, no one said he was immune to act- the gunshot, he just can't die from them. So I guess maybe that's what they're getting at. I know, but what, so, I mean, Grant, even though he gets shot in the
0: eyes, he's still sitting there <laughs> swinging. So, like, again, he's, what, he's like Dark Scion from Knights of the Old Republic 2, he's, he's just,
1: his hate just keeps him, you know, pretty fe- much, feeling, he's uh, fueled with hate. I don't understand how um, Laurie could have shot him in both eyes. That's Perfectly, yeah, crazy. There's no like, as especially a, in the state she's
0: of, like traumatized and like she's just pow pow. You know, John,
1: that's one characterization piece that John Carpenter left off is that she's an expert marksman. From the first film, yeah, she goes to school. Yeah, she's timid. She's afraid of phone calls. Does but the bi- she goes to the the, the shooting range. She does the local biathlon yeah. every year. You know, she's uh she goes to the shooting range, and uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's crazy that she's able to literally just snap off two shots and uh, shoot him in both eyes. But um, that doesn't even really actually kill him. It's the fact that they he's blown up to smithereens by. Not uh, even his body's, yeah, you know, He's not even in I mean, really blown up. He's more just still in a s in his suit and everything, but just burning. That's flame retardant. <laughs> you can obviously <laughs> see that there is a very clear flame retardant suit that's being worn on top, and gloves and the whole nine yeah. yards for that. But I, I'll yeah, forgive you, that, yeah. obviously. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think the ending is probably the best that they can do, um, that would make sense to a viewer, uh, besides, well, well, like, say, the, think, the later s- scenario in H2O where they chop his head off. I was gonna say, I think Carpenter at that point wrote himself into a corner.
0: You do? They li- literally, cause they're, like, he, like, he wrote himself into a corner and they're in a corner as well, like, like, yep. what the fuck do I do now? Yeah, and,
1: and there's not much to do besides, like, what, you can't shoot him, so you it looks like mortal wounds like that aren't going to hurt him. So you have to do something else, like blow him up. And even then, you know, burning this body, unless he's burnt to a crisp, literally, with no, um, you know, b- basically just ashes at that point, that's not even going to probably do the job. And so, well, when we
0: get to the end credits, too, we see like it's not even like his mask or anything's really burning. It's still
1: kind of... Yeah, it's kind of just on fire, but yeah. it's not really burning up. Yeah. I think that you do get yeah, you're, you're written into a corner, what do you do with him at that point? And that's, probably, that's been the issue with all of the Halloween films, is like, how do you end them? Because you have this unstoppable machine that just keeps coming, and it's, I mean, they could have gone the Terminator route and boiled him in liquid <laughs> uh, mercury or something like that. But yeah, you don't really have much to do besides try to figure out the best way to incapacitate and i guess burning is the way to go i don't mind it i think it's a an okay ending and i am glad that it doesn't end on like a sting where michael meyer sits up or something while he's still on fire and keeps going um it was really intended to be the last the end um i do like how loomis is
0: also is kind of resigned to his fate yeah. Like, like as you said, it's like, well, maybe they're... Because he seems like he's indestructible, too, because he survives this, you know, spoiler, he survives it, too. So it's like, well, maybe they're both, you know, both cut from the same cloth. They're yeah. both, you know, yeah. two sides of the... Si- you know, two different sides of the same coin, you know. Because he's, you know, just wacky and crazy, too, Jason the Madman, so... Yeah. But I do, like the, I do like how he's just kind of like... Oh, shit! Uh, get get out of here. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take it. I'll I'll take it from here. It blows himself Let's up. Do a hell I'll get a chimp soon. in phenomena. Don't worry. I'll be fine.
1: <laughs> All right. So I do have a, a rating scale for us. oh Out of ten, mayonnaise and ham sandwiches. What would you give? <laughs> Halloween two. I'll give it an eight out of ten. Yeah. Um, I
0: like it. I think for. Compared to most slasher sequels, I think this one's actually one of the few that's pretty damn good. Um, obviously, it—I don't—I don't think it could ever be better than the first. Um, I like this. Se- I like do like the hospital setting. Um, I do really love and enjoy the fact that this is a continuation of the first one right after it ends. I love Donald Pleasance hamming it up in this one, kind of just like he now knows what he's in for and he's just gonna enjoy and kind of ham it up and do what he does best. Um, I though the conclusion's kind of, you know, goofy with the explosion, I do like it. I think it's, you know, a nifty little end. It's not nearly as, you know, it's never going to be as clever as the first ending. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I still like it. And you're right, I will agree. Um, Though it does have a lot more slasher tropes, which I do think are a detriment to this film for the most part. I will say it is a much better paced and evenly paced film. Um, So yeah, I like it a lot. I think the scores, you know, we talked about the score being weaker, but at least he didn't s- smatter it all across the film like in the first film, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think for a sequel to a slasher film, it's a
1: very admirable sequel, because most can't even come close to this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would give it an 8.5. I believe I gave Halloween a nine. 1 a 9, and I would give this an 8.5. I think it's a really good film. I don't. Think now revisiting it, even though like it was one of my favorite films when I was younger, and that might have just been catching it so often, like on AMC. Um, I would say that I still enjoy the first Halloween more. Um, even though this one is a little bit better paced, or at least um, more properly paced for what you would consider a slasher film, um, with a more even keeled kill every few minutes type of situation, um, I don't know that it works as well. Part of it is the score it doesn't. Imp- prove on the original score it actually sort of muddies the suspense in this one a little bit more um, but I would also say that some of the the plot elements are a little bit weaker in this one um, and you also have the problem of trying to end it uh, which you know I would say is an issue here you're not left with a mystery or uh, with leaving the viewer open to interpretation about what happens after with Michael Um, I do with that said though I do like the setting I like the hospital a lot I think it's nice and eerie Um, I like that uh, we do see a little bit more of Dr. Loomis in action um, with Laurie kind of sidelined a little bit Um, and so those those elements really do add up to a really fun film especially for a sequel in the slasher genre Uh, just not as good as the first but I still run to it Every Halloween Halloween 1 and 2 are really my favorites to, to watch every Halloween um, and actually it was really a lot of fun I didn't talk about it on here but uh, when we went to Halloween Horror Nights um, last year uh, I did the Halloween 2 Haunted House and that was a lot of fun as well um, and that really reminded me a lot of why I love this film so. alright so we are moving on next week to Halloween three, season of the witch. So we're moving into a film that doesn't have Michael Myers at all in it, uh, and one that really we haven't had, we haven't talked about like at all. We sometimes we talk about Halloween one and two on different episodes, and we compare movies to Halloween one and two, but we never really talked that much about Halloween three, season of the witch. I'm excited to get into it. This is another one of my favorite Halloween films. Um, I think this is one of my favorite scores of all of the Halloween films. Uh, And I'm excited to talk about what makes me love this film um, with a non-Michael Myers film in the Halloween series, even though a lot of people seem to hate it. Um, All right, so catch us back next week as we continue our season of Halloween. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else where you can find podcasts. We're on there. You can download us. Uh, You can leave us a nice review and rating. Um, we appreciate that. That helps us get noticed. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com blood and black rum podcast. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. Uh, we also have an email address at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, if you ever want to contact us, just reach out and let us know what kind of movies that you want us to cover on the show, uh, maybe things that you want us to do for next Halloween. Uh, we're all ears, so let us know at the email, or on our Facebook or Twitter page. Thanks for listening. Uh, Like I said, we'll be back next week with Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, as we continue our uh, two-month saga through the Halloween franchise. So we'll see you next time. Take care.